Hey, we in. We in. What's going on, guys? What's up? How I got a new. Doing? I got a new haircut. I'm feeling good. Let's do this episode, dude. You got a haircut? Yeah, I got a. Ha- did you just like you cut the didn't sides notice? of your hair? You didn't because the top of your hair is wild. Yeah, pretty much, dude. It's kind of crazy, right? This is like <laughs> this is tame. This is yeah. Tame it's been it's been getting now. crazy lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I went from I went from like James Dean to like you wish like Johnny Bravo, <laughs> and now I'm like Beaker from the Muppets. Okay, I like yeah. that. I like that. It, you you have military regulations, but you wear a hat at work, so you don't have to really worry about the oh, top, right? Is, yeah, this is hella unsat, dog. This is what? This is hella unsat. Can Uns- you explain what unsat means? Oh, unsatisfactory. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you just you that's uh, why you kept it like that, isn't it? Because you were like re- you're like I'm rebelling under my hat. Oh yeah, I only got like okay. two months left. There you so go. There someone's you go. gonna see this and be like, hey, cut it's not your like hair. you're gonna get masted for having long hair. Uh. I don't know. I think if like maybe someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, cut your hair," and then I was like, "No, nah, I'm not cutting my hair." You were like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> then I then might get mastered. <laughs> that could be bad. I might get written up. Ooh, but I've been written up before. Oh, gangster! <laughs> no, uh oh. No, that was no. I was trying to do like a like Lieutenant Aldo Rain, uh, thing there. You know, like Inglorious Bastards. I've seen Inglorious Bastard that one. At the, right at the end, uh, fucking Brad Pitt, he like kills somebody, and they're like, "Aren't you gonna get in trouble for that? Like, aren't they gonna kill you or something?" And he's like, "Nah, I'll just get chewed out." But I've been chewed out before. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So I know you have something you're really excited to get into in the wrestling world, but okay, we have a cool announcement before we dive into everything. Let's do it. Uh, we are officially participating in. NaNoWriMo, which for those of you guys who don't know what that is, NaNoWriMo is shorthand for National Novel Writing Month, which is a cool thing that happens every November where there's sort of a communal effort to push writers to basically churn out words, to basically get your ideas on paper. It's not necessarily about you know the quality of what you're putting out, but reaching the goal. And the goal is to write 50,000 words in one month. So over the month of November to get to 50,000 words. So every day you have to write 1,666 1, words. Okay, 67 words. It's 66.6 or So yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it when you break it down like that, it seems doable. You're like, I feel like I <sighs> That's can do a that. Lot. I feel like That is a lot. But if you were to say you have to go write se- just under 1700 words right now, I'd be like I could do that. But doing it every day. Every single day. The consistency is what's Yeah, the consistency is the hard part. But Mm -hmm. we kind of want to throw it out there for anyone listening. If anybody wants to join in, Mm -hmm. we kind of feel like any uh, collective push is going to help anyone who's participating. And they have have a website. The NaNoWriMo has their own website. Mm -hmm. It's also a nonprofit organization. And you can go on their website and create a profile. And there's all these like badges and stuff, stickers, things, goals you can set for yourself and kind of little rewards you can give yourself to keep yourself on pace and community events that you can go to. Uh, if you're in big cities like, like we are, you can go to, um, they call them write-ins. So they'll, people will host write-ins at like they do them at like libraries and coffee mm-hmm. shops and you can go to these write-ins and you can meet people from the community. You can mm-hmm. meet fellow writers and creatives and you can, mm-hmm you know, be inspired by mm-hmm. people or fall in love. A similar, maybe, and, you know, maybe you make, fall in love. Make be, little, little tiny baby writers. And then next year for NaNoWriMo, get their own little typewriters for the babies. Next year on NaNoWriMo, you write a romantic novel about how you fell in love doing NaNoWriMo. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. 
Hell yeah. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, that was our cool announcement. Uh, if I've, if you want to participate in that, obviously we think that would be super cool. And I just, I think it would be cool to just do like a little writer's corner segment, you know, like yeah. on each of our like main episodes. Yeah, I think all through November. And sort of include, yeah, include that. Kind of, uh, you know, uh, not only holding each other accountable for keeping up, but sort mm-hmm. of sharing how it's going. You know what I mean? yeah, so, yeah what the what the process of writing yeah, is like exactly um and we'll talk about that i think probably every week through november we'll probably do right. a little I'm, bit I'm, I'm interested in how you're probably going to approach it because i have i have a specific idea and i'm literally going to talk about that idea i don't i don't care about like sharing my mm-hmm. story like bit by bit because i've never actually seen anybody do that because everybody's always so precious Ooh. damn everybody's always so precious about their own uh, yeah, I, writing I feel like you'll see and, people that will share, you know, the elevator pitch for their story idea or something like that, yeah. but they won't share. Okay. I'm going pro- through this exactly. like problem with this character and I'm like, I want to do that because yeah, that I've just be never seen it I'd be, before. I'd be down to do and, that. And, um, I mean, it, it's, it's up to you yeah. if you, if you don't want to do that, then like, I'm still going to do that yeah. and it's, it's no problem, but, um, but yeah, so you don't, you don't have an idea set already. No, I do. I came up with one. Oh, you did? Yeah. I mean, I just is went a completely my, new idea. I went through my idea folder and picked one. Okay. Do you, can you do an elevator pitch for it yet? Or? Uh, mystery crime thriller set in a fantasy world. Following a, like a town guard. So instead of a cop, he's like a town guard. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. What's yours? Uh, yeah. So mine is, uh, it's called Tritonopia. That's the title of it. Uh, do you know what Tritonopia is? Nope. I know uh, I know who Triton is. <laughs> yeah, so Tritonopia. Oh god, Triton. Right, so Tritonopia and Opia is actually implies a, a city. Uh so I I I chose it specifically cuz it kind of sounds like that, okay. but Tritonopia is a colorblindness. It's a it's a form of oh, colorblindness. Okay, cool. Um but basically the story is uh set um in like 19 like early 1940s um America, but it follows this biographer who has tritonopia um and he decides to um go on this deep sea adventure with this kind of uh maniacal spanish explorer named azriel covas and uh, his name is azriel yeah yeah okay and uh yeah, but it's I'm 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 really excited for it. It's it's like I yeah, want to be. You said you had like this mm-hmm. idea for a while, but mm-hmm. you've never tried writing a novel before, right? Right. Yeah. So first time for you. Well, I've actually tried writing this novel, and oh, okay. like the thing is, like I I feel like I'm I'm a pretty good storyteller, but I'm a crap writer. Mm-hmm. I I don't I'm I don't feel comfortable with the format of writing Pros a novel. So I'm like I'm just gonna try and figure it out yeah. and try to like put words to paper. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what the whole yeah. point of Nanorama is putting yeah. words on paper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want it to be like sort of like Lovecraftian, but like more lighthearted. By you know, the way, like have this some... is not an elevator pitch. Huh? No, it's not an elevator <laughs> pitch, but I'm just You asked it. me for my elevator pitch. Well, because I didn't, because you literally just uh, came up with the idea. No, I've had this idea. You, I had this idea a long time ago. I didn't ago. know if you never... had that bare minimum of. No, no, no. I have, I have uh, basically characters worked out a little bit and general idea i don't the, the problem is it's a mystery and i don't necessarily know what I, the mystery is going to be yet what is going to be revealed? yeah yeah <clears throat> like i know he's there's gonna be he's gonna be solving a murder but i don't know 
I don't even know who the murderer is. <laughs> uh, uh, loose, loose title is the warden. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Loose. I feel like people might get bored change. as fuck with it, but who cares? oh, gee, thanks. No, I'm not saying yours specifically. I'm talking about just like us talking about our oh, own. Oh yeah, and shit. well yeah, we just wanted to announce that. <laughs> I'm not talking invite. about yours. I, was, <laughs> I gave up so mean. <laughs> Uh, we wish, obviously mine's going to be yeah, awesome and yeah. yours isn't it's gonna, it's gonna suck obviously <laughs> i should have said that earlier after i talked about my own thing Sorry. yeah no i'm i didn't mean i meant that yeah got you yeah i mean i don't think we'll do a long time we'll just probably touch on it every week check each other's progress and if anyone out there joins in they can share their progress with us and we will be sharing our progress with them mm. so we think that'd be cool but you have you're really excited to talk about some wrestling stuff. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Worlds is actually like going down right now over the like the course. I think it started on the 20th and it's going to wrap on the 28th. But so, it's in, in Budapest. Worlds is obviously the whole world competes, but is it, does it have anything to do with like making the Olympics or anything like that? So, it's basically like, yeah, I mean, it's a world tournament, but I don't, I'm not sure how it coincides with the Olympics, but I'm pretty sure that it's just. It's just its own tournament, like the Olympics, every single year. Okay. Um, so winning this makes you basically the, the best in the world at what you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For for that year. For that is. year. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start off with this. Like I, I'm going to go very specific. Okay. Uh, about this incident that uh, occurred at at Worlds, and it's more about journalism than it is about wrestling. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. So do you know who Helen Mariolis is? Nope. No. Nope. Uh, well, you should. I feel <laughs> like everybody. So I feel like everybody in America should because okay. she is uh, she's the first American to win an Olympic gold medal in women's freestyle wrestling. Was, oh, wow. Yeah. I wanted to. That's crazy. I had, I had to read my notes there. So Say the that, name again. So Helen Mariolis. Helen Mariolis. She's she's a badass bitch, right? Okay. So she is a two-time world champion, four-time medalist in the world championships. She won a gold medal at the Pan Am Games, uh, but there was a, a period for three years where she wasn't giving up a point at Worlds. Wow. She yeah she's a she's fucking she's dominant. She's a killer. Yeah. Um, and before Worlds this year. She had won her previous 10 matches by a combined 70 or 97 to 0. Wow. 97 to 0. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts, right? Um, but. I mean, for context, for people who don't know wrestling, one takedown gets you two points. Right. So she's averaging like 9.7 points a match. Right. That's crazy. But um, she, uh, she suffered a concussion. Uh, at a, in a tournament in India before this year's Worlds. Okay. Right. Um, Do you know how long before the tournament? Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but it was sometime this year. Okay. Um, that she suffered the concussion. And this year at Worlds, during her first match, she got pinned in the first round. Wow. And shortly after her match, uh, somebody from Flow Wrestling, which is like a like a... It's like the ESPN of wrestling specifically. It's FLO, right? Yeah, wrestling. yeah Flow Wrestling, yeah. yeah. Um, but they do a lot of coverage of wrestling and do interviews and um, mm -hmm. uh, film matches and shit and help you keep track of wrestling. Yeah. But uh, someone from Ro Flow Wrestling approached Helen Mariolis literally right after the match. She still has like sweat uh, on her skin. And they asked her about the extent of the brain injury and uh, if she was considering maybe retiring. 
from one concussion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she starts breaking down crying. And she, you can see her sort of uh, starting to compose herself. Yeah. And the person that asked the question is sort of like, oh, like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, we love you. Like, she, he feels really bad uh-huh. for asking this question. But she sort of, she composes herself Was really it the quick. first thing that he asked? Uh, no, it was over the course of a, like a sort of. An interview. Maybe like a, a 20 minutes long interview. Oh, wow. So, okay. So, okay. It, and it kind of happened in the middle because there was multiple people asking her multiple yeah. questions, right? It's like a scrum. Yeah. Like a media scrum. Um, but she composed herself and then she went on to say, I feel really responsible to do the right thing for my health, not just for myself, but to set an example because I get a lot of messages from kids on Instagram like, oh, I have a concussion or my teammate has a concussion. And then she goes on to say, you know, there's this wrestler mindset to just push through. And if you're the toughest one, you'll find a way to win. Yeah. But there's a lot more to it. I want a long life. Okay. Um, that's, that's now, deep. uh, flow wrestling posted that little snippet from this longer interview. They posted that on Instagram. And one of the first people that comment on it, or one of the highest comments on it was this, uh, guy named, uh, Yanni Diakamalis. Diakamalis. It's he's a, another Greek American. Helen uh, Mariolis is also Greek American. Okay. Um, he's also Greek American. Yes. Okay. Uh, but Yanni is a NCAA champion. Uh, is currently wrestling at Cornell. Um, is Ooh, going to I be a sophomore. Um, oh, young. But he commented on Instagram. He said, "Might have crossed a line here." So that dude's my brother's age. Right. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, might have crossed a line here. That's, that's, all, that's all he said. Um, and there was a lot of people uh, sort of talking over Instagram. And a lot of times on Instagram, you, you get toxic. a lot of idiots and yeah, toxicity toxic. and just dumbness. Yeah. But there was, I feel like there's a lot of interesting conversation to be had about a question like that. Okay. Something that's sort of controversial. How long should that reporter should have waited to address something like that? Should he have, is it unethical for him to ask a question like that immediately after her match? So, okay. I think one, it, there's, there's a lot of context to it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of context. The way you've described it, he, he didn't do it immediately. If she came off the mat and he said, how's your brain injury? That's weird. If right. you're not going to, because she clearly felt like she could wrestle. Right. And you don't know necessarily how long the tournament before was, but normally there's probably at least a couple weeks before between tournaments, yes. maybe a month between tournaments. I think, I think it's, it was a few months ago. Okay. Oh, okay. So it was, it was a few months probably. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, you see dudes in, in the NFL come back from concussions in two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. It, and concussions are a weird injury where it depends on the severity of them in terms of your recovery time. Right. And the more you have, obviously the worse for your long-term health. Uh, I mean, like I had, a, I had two concussions, I think, in high school. Yeah. Um, but I feel fine, you know. I don't think my brain is addled. Right. Uh, so the, uh, the I feel like in a scrum setting, I also, I obviously haven't watched this, this video. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about just a clip, so I don't know if you've watched the long video or not. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the entire thing. So we don't know if he was the first person to bring up the brain injury, if he was following up on another question or something that she had answered previously. There's a lot of context to something like mm-hmm. this. But I do think that he is completely in his rights to bring it up. Okay. I don't like the 
there's this vilifying, um, I don't want to say culture because it's not cultural, but there's there's this vilifying idea of reporters asking athletes things, mm. but your it's your job is right. to learn. Yeah, at, as at, much at, as you at can what about at, any at, and, like at what point does it become gotcha journalism? You know, like. Mm-hmm. So I, think- I see. I didn't. I didn't have any problem really with uh, with this, and that. But like, I kind of go back and forth on it. So the Yan, the Yanni comment was he referencing? He was the referencing- reporter crossing a line or her crossing a line? No, uh, the reporter crossing the line. Okay, that he should have. That okay. he should have waited. That he shouldn't. He was like, uh, he he goes on in uh, other Instagram comments, like people being like, Yanni, what are you talking about? And he's like, that should have been handled off air. I don't know if I agree with that. Right. I I think it's a reporter's job mm-hmm. to ask questions and to ask mm-hmm. hard questions. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously it seems like this reporter wasn't coming from a spiteful place. He, he immediately realized the emotion that he dredged up from her yeah. and sort of apologized for it. And, you know, he was, he was nice about it at the same time. I think he got something important out of her and that's his job. Exactly. That's what he's supposed to do. And it's something that like when you, uh, when I saw Helen Mariolis immediately dealing with, uh, with that kind of a question, you see her conflict, her internal struggle to be like, well, I have this brain injury, but I still want to do the sport that I love, Mm -hmm. which is you like, we should be seeing that struggle because it's so it's human. It's, it's it's human storytelling. It's topical. Um, and it's, it's important for other people to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Because how many young athletes are struggling with brain injuries and how many young wrestlers and football players and other contact sports are still in that mindset of, I have to fight through this when we are learning through the science, Mm -hmm. how drastic brain injuries Mm -hmm. can be Mm -hmm. and what they can do to you long term. It's a different, to me, it's a different animal when you're a professional athlete to when you are, you know, an amateur athlete. Mm -hmm. And, and, but like, you're also dealing with, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, especially someone like Her- Helen Mariolis, who is sort of a, a woman in a man's world yeah, as far as being a sure. wrestler, you know, you're constantly facing like, Oh, uh, you know, am I being tough enough? You know, yeah. and that's something that you get with wrestling period. And then being a woman on top of it. Right. And, and someone as dominant as she is in the wrestling world is I can only assume is a huge inspiration to a lot of, you know, young female wrestlers out mm-hmm. there. And, you know, women that you see that want to be, in, they see women in the UFC that are becoming these big stars and women in mixed martial arts and other forms of martial arts is becoming more and more slowly accepted as something that women can do and can be great at. Mm-hmm. And that you aren't just going to be, there aren't going to be these negative assumptions about you mm-hmm. because of, that's what you do. You know, they're not... It still happens, obviously, and it probably always will because there's just there's just negative people. Mm-hmm. But I, the more people like her, the better. So I think seeing someone like her struggle with a real issue makes her even more important. Right. I've never heard about her until two minutes ago, but I feel like she's important already. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Hmm. That yeah, was something that I just uh, I wanted to touch on. Um. But yeah, we can we can move on. Uh, I wanted to cover just a little bit uh, about like what other things that happened at Worlds. Okay. Uh, as of right now, we actually have three gold medalists at US. Worlds. Uh, yeah, U.S. Nice. gold medal gold medalists in freestyle wrestling. That's crazy. Uh, Kyle Dake, 
Uh, uh, yeah. It, is he the undefeated guy? Yeah. So he is one of only three or four uh, people in college in division uh, division one men's wrestling to win a national championship all four years of the career, their career. Oh, wow. And uh, what's different about Kyle Dake was he was the only person to do it at four different weight classes. Oh, okay. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. He also has an amazing first name. Yeah, and he also, he went through. <laughs> that took you a long time. <sighs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he also went, n- nobody scored a point on him at Worlds this year. That's He's a fucking monster. The idea that you are at a tournament mm-hmm. of the best of the best in the, in the entire world. In the whole world and you dominate everyone is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's super impressive. It's insane. Uh, another gold medalist, David Taylor, uh, who also was a four time all American, two time NCAA champion uh, for Penn state. Another one, uh, Jaden Cox also won gold. Uh, there, we have three bar- bronze medalists right now. Joe Cologne, uh, Jordan Burroughs, you might oh, know. Oh, Jordan Burroughs got bronze? Yeah, I know he Jordan got bronze. Burroughs, yeah. Uh, you he's, might... he's someone who's hyped up. Uh, you hear people talk about wanting him to join like the UFC a lot, Jordan right. Burroughs. Yeah, because, I mean, he's a monster. He yeah. won, he was a gold medalist in the He's like 32, Olympics. though, isn't he? He's like... A... Yeah, he's a little bit older. Yeah. yeah, he's a little bit older. Um, Which, in these types of sports, you know, Olympi- Olympic sports, once you hit, like, 30, mm-hmm. you're... But yes, how old was Cormier when he, when he started doing MMA? I don't know. Um... Another one is uh, that that got bronze was Nick Gwizdowski. Ooh, Nick Gwizdowski. Nick Gwizdowski. Uh, <laughs> uh, he got bronze, and uh, there was another fifth placer, Thomas Gilman, who wrestles for a lot Iowa. of lot of medals. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. America's kicking ass. Um, is Russia participating? Just yes, they are. Yes, they are. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, have they been tested? Have they been tested? Like, I think we have more medals than they do. Oh, I don't mean tested physically. Oh, (laughs) tell. I thought you meant like challenged. I mean, I mean, I mean Mexican supplements. (laughs) Uh, uh, Fuck, I'm not sure. I don't because I don't think that we're actually going to win the team title. Okay. uh, For Worlds, even with that many medals, jeez. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I only say it the might Russian, be it might be Russia. I only bring up the Russian thing because at the last Olympics, it, it might have been Russia who's actually in they first. literally couldn't participate in almost anything because all their Olympians got banned from the Olympics for doping. Yeah, but it's how crazy. many people do you actually think are like tuning out right now because I'm talking about wrestling? All of them, probably a lot, right? Fucking, my, it's so tiny. My brothers, it's so tiny in America. It's so tiny in America, and yeah. it, like, like I, I mean, that's the most uh, like that I've been involved Dude, with like yeah. looking into what is happening with wrestling right now Since, like, that I've school. been in a while. Like yeah. it's so fucking hard to follow. So you wrestled in high school. I did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brothers both wrestled though. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both qualified for States multiple times. Um, wrestling is a, is it's weird. It's kind of weird from the outside as a community because like you said, it's small, but within it, it's so passionate. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I think that it like the the inaccessibility of it is kind of what aids to it being such a tight knit community, mm-hmm. um, and th- that's ultimately why it isn't so it, it, why it isn't a bigger sport in America. I think mm-hmm. because there is such a as far as accessibility of it, you have a 
objective accessibility, like literally it's hard to find out what is happening at Worlds. I yep. like you can't you can't go online and just find a bracket like that. Yeah. Like you can't go on to ESPN and like there's, you go on the drop down menu. There's no there's fucking no wrestling. wrestling yeah. Like there's like Olympic sports, but it's like fucking badminton and, and <laughs> weird shit. Um, like there's a, on the drop down menu, there's a tab for esports. Yep. Well, um, esports and, are and cricket. Really quickly. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm not advocating for, Oh, wrestling should be bigger. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I, find it interesting that it isn't I, I think another thing is two it's kind of two-pronged i think one the general person has no clue how wrestling works how it's scored that's, how you win and that's like goes to more of the subjective accessibility and i think the it, other right? half like of you it is, have to know what it's wrestling a, is. it's a combat sport but it's not there's no striking it's involved. not violent mm -hmm. it is when you're doing it it's you know it's very hard Mm -hmm. and extremely technical. Like, right. So your average person watching a wrestling match has no clue about the difficulty level of what's happening. Right. Which I think is a, is a big thing. It's when you watch a major sport, when you see a running back bust a big run play or a wide receiver make a hard catch or Steph Curry hit a 35 foot pull up jumper mm -hmm. or Giannis dunk all over somebody, you, you can see how hard something is right. in the moment. It's very, even something that's like sort of closely related to it, like MMA. Yeah. When you see Edson Barbosa doing a spinning wheel kick and yeah. shit like that, it's, like you're like, oh it's man, fantastical. I, can't, I can't do that. Yeah, um, but, but in wrestling even it's then, harder to the, see. The thing that separates, I think, MMA from wrestling is, the, like you said, the striking. Striking mm -hmm. is more violent. It's more entertaining to the masses. Yeah, and that, like that's why every time that you see Khabib take down Connor, you have somebody. If you're at a Buffalo Wild at Wings, the bar, yeah. yeah. If you have, if you're at a Buffalo Wild Wings, people are like boring because they don't understand. I I want to see boxing in <laughs> MMA, but I don't want to just watch boxing. Well, because you can kick, but people don't know that you can go watch kickboxing. Yeah, true. And then on top of that, if you do go watch kickboxing, it also has weird point systems. So it's this weird thing where you get to these different forms of martial arts. You just don't understand the rules or the techniques. But there's like, in, in order to fully enjoy the sport, there is a learning curve Absolutely. that comes along with it. Absolutely. And I think it's weird because the most popular sport in America is football. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a huge learning curve. But just societally, everyone just learns it as they but there's also, but, but there's also with football, there is enough on the yes. surface level where exactly. you can pick it up into, in order to enjoy yep. it more. Like... You can see someone throw a pass and complete it. Like when Bill Belichick watches a football game, he is he's seeing watching something different. Yeah, he's watching some. He's he's seeing a hundred times more information yeah. than I am. Yeah. Than, than like when LeBron James is breaking down a basketball game, he's seeing something like, uh, uh, dude, uh, go watch detail. The details like Kobe a good example is, is a good like, example of wow. that. But uh, LeBron James, when he like one of his episodes on the shop, he was talking about how he watched some random ass college game, and he was like, "Dog, they played." 40 minutes of flex. They ran flex for 40 minutes straight. And I, I was like, I, I don't know yeah, what the fuck flex is. is. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the fuck flex is. I'm sorry, LeBron. Um, uh, I know what flex is in football. You can flex, flex out, mm -hmm. but I don't know what it is in basketball. They even like, I think uh, like somebody else explained it. And you in still, the don't shop. still don't know. <laughs> Something about baselines and screens yeah. and stuff. I don't but know. yeah, I, I think, well, it's like there's a whole nother world that's yeah. going on uh, within the sport that you're not seeing. And you know what's crazy about that? It's, I think, not only is there, you know, you can do, there's a whole nother world within the sport you don't see, but I think 
just there's a whole nother world in terms of the wrestling world that most people don't know about. And I think that's true for a lot of things. I think a lot of hobbies that you get into, it's, it's like, you know, who knows about the best crocheter in the world? There's people who like know that stuff and they're passionate about it. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think it's really cool, mm-hmm. but it's like a, it's, it's sort of a weird thing when you start comparing things to others when you start saying, why is wrestling so much lesser known and less followed than mm-hmm. X sport? Right. It's a weird thing. That's why I, I had to preface that. Cause it's like, it, it's, it's not as popular for a reason, you yeah. know, that for whatever reason, it's not as marketable as, mm-hmm. as UFC. Yeah. But UFC though, but speaking of UFC and speaking of, wrestlers that a lot of people might not know about there was some shit that dropped so this is this is like unprecedented so for those people who don't know ufc is not a sport don't say ufc as a sport yeah the sport is mma mixed martial arts ufc is a promotion Mm -hmm. meaning they have fighters that fight under their promotion that they put on there are other promotions bellator pride i don't think exists anymore no one fighting championship Mm. This specific. Why would you bring that Strike up? Force is another one. Why would you bring up? One? Why would I bring up one fighting championship? Well, let me tell you. There's a man named Ben Askren who fights under the One Fighting Championship promotion. He is undefeated. I want to say he's 18-0-1. I think his record is, and he's a wrestler. He's mostly a wrestler. He's known as. He was just trained. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even just say that he's a wrestler. He is a wrestler slash grappler. He yeah. is a legit dude on the ground. Oh, like jujitsu? Okay, mm-hmm. but continue. Uh, this unprecedented thing happened where the UFC and one fighting championship are swapping fighters and contracts to rights to the fighter mm-hmm. fighting under their banner. Right. And that's never happened. Not only are they swapping fighters, Ben Askren there, the UFC is giving away mighty mouse. Who, the most dominant champion of all time. Yeah. Who before, before his most recent fight was considered pound for pound. One of the greatest the, of, of all, all time. time in the sport. He has, the coolest submission I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. His flying what arm fi- bar. What did he finally call it? The mighty bar? The mighty bar, yeah. He jumped in the air and landed an arm bar on a dude. It's crazy. He's one of the most dominant fighters I've ever seen. And for whatever reason, the UFC has never been able to sell him. His The cards that he fights on, that he headlines specifically, mm-hmm. do not make enough money for the UFC. So they've always had a contentious relationship of right. Mighty Mouse feeling like, they don't promote him enough and they don't back him and them feeling like he isn't enough of a draw. Which seems so weird. Like the the most obvious reason for, oh, maybe this is why they can't sell him is because he's, he's so tiny. He's small and there's not, he's not, a tiny there's boy. not knockouts. And like uh, we were just talking he's about. He's a, a, a 125 violence, violence sells in combat sports. Mm-hmm. And the, the smaller you are, the harder it is to knock someone out. Mm-hmm. And the 125ers just don't do it that much. But at the same time, like trading in those knockouts for this crazy athletic ability and that someone like the skill level, the speed that Mm -hmm. they fucking have is, but is insane to me and you. Yes. But to the casual viewer, it's just not as interesting to them. And so the, his like you said, his most previous fight in my opinion was controversial decision. I thought mighty mouse won that fight. Okay. Uh, it seemed way too even to lose a belt to me. Right. But that's its own discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've you've watched you. I know you hadn't seen it, but you've caught up on it, right? Yes, yes, I caught up on it. Um, and I thought it was it was a good fight. It was a very good fight. I thought it was a really good, very fight. good fight. And the the weirdest thing about Mighty Mouse getting traded out of the UFC is 
Is he not going to be able to fucking have a rubber match with Henry no. Cejudo? Nope. Well, the talk is already... So because of this trade happening... Mm-hmm. By the way, Ben Askren is a welterweight. Mm-hmm. He's not a small. He's a one. He's one hundred and seventy. Yeah, pounds. he's a one seventy fighter. Which hopefully that division gets disbanded and they make one sixty five, one seventy five. That's another discussion. Right. Um, the the idea right now, the the rumor and thought of what might happen is that people think they might shut down the one twenty five division. There's already talk of Cejudo's next fight being against TJ Dillashaw, the okay. one thirty five champion. Which makes a lot of sense, just like already, because Henry Cejudo has uh, such a problem getting yeah, down makes to one twenty-five. But yeah, because of the, if you can't sell a division with a champion as dominant as Mighty Mouse, the idea is that they're never going to sell the division, and they might just stop it. I, I don't know. That's kind of dis- disappointing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's more disappointing that they're letting Mighty Mouse go than shutting down the division. I, I agree. I agree. I'm going to miss Mighty Mouse yeah. for sure. But my first reaction, because I didn't, my first reaction was not, oh, oh no, we're losing Mighty Mouse. Was, my first oh, reaction, hell yeah, we're getting Oh, my ben God, Askren. Ben Askren is finally coming to the yeah. UFC. Because this has been a thing that people have talked about for a long time. I've, like, tertiarily heard the name Ben Askren and how could he compete against the best mm-hmm. welterweights in the world in the UFC mm-hmm. forever. Now, you know more about Ben Askren than I do. So okay, so the people that the, don't know who Ben Askren yeah. is have no idea like about MMA outside of the UFC because he's literally never been in the UFC. He wasn't even in the second biggest promotion, Bellator. He was in one. Who watches one fighting champ? Like, well, only he, the biggest MMA I'm pretty sure fans. he was previously in Bellator. Oh, he was in Bellator before. Yeah, okay, he was cool. a uh, previous Bellator okay. champion. Um, but, okay, so he is... is, is some of his accomplishments just from uh, wrestling okay, uh, and, and grappling as well. Uh, he is a two-time NCAA champion, four-time All-American, uh, two th- 2008 Olympian uh, freestyle. He didn't, he didn't place or anything, okay. but he also is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Oh, okay. Um, and awesome. a legit black belt. Yeah. This dude is fucking, is a killer. Um, and probably one of the, the most legit, guys on the ground since like maybe like Jake Shields. Um You mean at the division? Hmm? You mean at the division or just in general? I would say in general Damian because Damien Maya exists. Uh, Damien Maya exists. <laughs> Damien Maya exists, but uh Damien Maya it took a long time for him to develop his wrestling. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people that he literally just couldn't take down um and get to the ground so that he could utilize his jujitsu. Yeah. Um I would say I would venture to say that Ben Askren's wrestling it's is bad. better than okay. Damien Maya's wrestling. But I mean, he's wrestling got the pedigree. Jiu-jitsu, like, he's like got they the trade off. Um, my instant thought was Ben Askren versus fucking Khabib. I want that to happen. I want that. At what weight? Make it happen. I don't care. Have it on the moon. I don't care what the weight is. They can fight at 170. They could fight. Uh, if they made 165 a they, division. They could fight at a catch weight. Yeah. If they made 165 a division, that's another. Can one. I make a counter argument? I I know why you want to see that because you want to see prolific wrestling wrestlers fight each other. That's what you want to see. Can I make a counter because he is a 170 fighter and making that happen is a little difficult because could be fights 155 and is maybe the champion after all that's gone down. We're still waiting on their decision of suspension and everything. There, him and Connor are currently indefinitely suspended until but, the hearing, but. I feel like welterweight needs him, needs Ben Askren more than Khabib, more than the UFC needs him to fight Khabib. 
So the what you're saying that the welterweight division needs more mm-hmm. depth and needs. I feel more... like welterweight has been uh, treading water ever since Robbie Lawler lost the belt to Tyron Woodley. So he, so here's my thing. Uh, well, I I would say that Ben Askren is not going to have a lot of fights in the UFC. He's okay. already 34. Okay. And he was already looking for retirement. Mm-hmm. But he also said, oh, there's like a 98% chance that I'm going to be going to the UFC. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he has a lot of fights in him, but who knows? Because he is 34, but he's also a bit like a very good 34. Yeah. If that makes well, any sense. Like your UFC he, prime is a he's little... not, he's not like a Mike Bisbing 34. Yeah. He, well, he Mike doesn't Bisping get was like 39 by the time he was a champion at like 38 no, 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 years but, old. No, but he like, he fucking gets in brawls yeah. and shit is what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, a, a well, guy well, like no, Ben Askren, you're that dominant, a grappler, ben, you don't have to Ben Askren doesn't get fucking touched. Yeah. So he's able, he's going to have a longer career. So I don't know how many fights he has left in him. Um, you want to see one of them be Khabib. I, wanna, I, wanna I understand. Khabib. I understand where you're coming from. I also think that it's more likely that Khabib is going to move up. I think they should just make 165 a division, man. That's what I think. Not yet, but ideal world. Yeah, and and one and 175, and but I I don't think that the UFC is going out of their way to let one of the most dominant as as much of a contentious relationship as they have one of the most dominant fighters they've ever had leave in exchange for this dude if they're not bringing him in to revitalize a treading water division. They're not bringing him in to fight someone who's already going to sell. But a majority of the time, the UFC isn't trying to revitalize divisions. They're trying to set up big fights. That's true. That's true. But I don't think Ben Askren versus Khabib to to the general public is a big fight i think they might be able to sell it that way they can try it's obviously who knows not I, as, I mean it's who, obviously not as big as just a connor khabib rematch or a khabib tony ferguson fight right to me it's no it's not as big um whereas if you put ben Askren in and you let him fight like uh i saw him talking this shit is on Twitter also, today to, to jorge masvidal and you let him fight a jorge masvidal and get a, if he gets a dominant win and you immediately throw him into the ring with uh wonder boy or Robbie Lawler, or just give him Tyrone Woodley. But you, this is, we're also examining the UFC uh, in a vacuum without Ben Askren's personality as yeah, well. Yeah, he's, he's once a they big get a, shit talker. Once they get a hold of him yeah. and he's actually within the promotion and they start selling his personality, yeah. the dude the dude can speak. I think he needs a, he's a, really I think interesting he needs guy. a setup fight before anything big. I think he needs to fight like a Jorge Masvidal, somebody, like, somebody who is very good and people know and recognize mm-hmm. But gives him a chance to, you know, stake his right. claim, if you will. Right. I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad about Mighty Mouse leaving. It because it it's sucks. weird. We sit. We're like, oh, we're losing Mighty. We could, we could watch him fight. Yeah, in one fight in another promotion. But we have no clue how to do. Where do you watch one? I I, I, I have no idea. But at the same time, I want to see him fight the, against the, the best, best in the, the world. Best. I exactly. want to see him fight Henry Cejudo again. Yeah, because. They're one and one against each other. I want a fucking rubber match. Like yeah. that should be the hype. That's the hypest thing in all of fucking sports. Yeah, it's the game it's like seven game of seven. fucking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Like I keep waiting for the Connor Nate rubber match. Where is the? I'm, I'm sure they'll do it eventually, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, it is the rubber match is like the game seven of of fighting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about that. Yeah, I, I uh, obviously we 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 can't say too much until 
they start setting things up and we actually see and it's also not super official yet right like it's it's, it's official it's but like not one of those official. things where it's like 99 done they think right. it's going to be official by the end of the week and like uh ben Askren as well as mighty mouse has gone onto their yeah, respective twitter accounts and twitters and stuff mm-hmm. yeah I, I think we're recording on thursday by the time this airs on monday it might be done right uh, do you have any other wrestling MMA stuff? Read those notes, though. <laughs> you could have Tony realized that and thrown it at the camera. You missed your chance. I'm. I'll, I'll do my own thing. Oh, okay, I, I respect it. Uh, I want to stick with sports for a little bit though, because the basketball season has been bananas. B a n a n a s so far. Scoring is up. Like. Higher than almost ever. Yeah, three point. Uh, the amount of three pointers being shot, the the pace is mm-hmm. higher than ever. It, right, it's just balls to the wall. And weird shit shot is happening. Hunting. Weird shit is happening as well. Oh well, I mean, obviously we'll get to the the Lakers Rockets fight. Is its own thing. I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of old news now. We're going to talk about that's it, true. but it's kind of old news now. But uh, this specifically this is probably the greatest uh, sentence I've ever read in my life. Brad Stevens said, "Right now, the Orlando Magic are better than the Boston Celtics." <gasps> <laughs> Yo, the Celtics are struggling a little. Like, not they're two and two in right? like a or? first world problems kind of way. Yeah, they're having. A uh, hard time getting everyone back in the groove. Jason Tatum is shooting really bad from three. Kyrie, yeah. slow start to the season. Gordon Hayward's coming back from that big injury. They'll get it together. They're fine. Yeah. Screw them. <laughs> They're going to be fine. Yeah. Whereas but, the Magic very well might do the exact same thing they did last year and play good for a month yeah. and then suck. Yeah. Maybe not. They got a new coach and everything. Maybe not. We'll see. New coach, new players, developed players. Yeah. Aaron Gordon's never, looking you good. You never know. Aaron Gordon's playing really well. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the thing that has struck me the most about... We've watched a lot of games just in the last two weeks. We've watched like almost four nights a week we're watching basketball. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes with two TVs on, watching two games at once. I think the thing that is striking me the most is how competitive it's been early in the season. Mm-hmm. Usually in the beginning of a basketball season, it's kind of a you roll slowly into the season to get going. And then it's not until like Christmas mm-hmm. that the basketball season really starts. Right. And then even then, it's not until the All-Star break that the push, the playoff push starts, that you really start caring about standings and stuff. So we're very far from that, either of those things happening. Like I, but the games have been played. They've been played hard and fast, and they've been competitive and close to the end of the games. It's just been really fun to watch. I think uh, what happened last year with the seeding of the Western Conference in the playoffs mm. made people realize, like, oh, shit, every game kind of counts. So not only was it did the Warriors not get the one seed, the Rockets did, but after the top two seeds, every team from three to ten, I mm-hmm. think, was like two games apart. Right. Two games in the standings. I think if the Blazers lost two or three more games, they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. playoffs. And they were the three Three. seed. They were the three seed. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe they're putting more emphasis on getting the wins, you know, whenever you can get them, not Mm -hmm. just when you're feeling it Mm -hmm. early on. I think some notable performances. Steph last night dropped 51 and three quarters. He went completely insane. He looks like 2016 MVP Steph Curry. Do you th- who do you think is a, a better scorer and who do you think is a better player, uh, KD or Steph? Steph is a better shooter. 
I don't know if I would say he's a better scorer. And I think Katie's a better player. Katie's more all around. I would say that Steph Katie's is a better scorer, a better and then defender. and then KD is a better player. Yeah, but it's it's also the, like uh, the problem is that that, KD, that better player thing is also like right there. But KD also it's is cheating because he's seven feet tall and built like a guard and moves like a guard, whereas Steph is what six three or something. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so much. It seems like it's so much easier for KD to do things than it is for and Steph. I, th- I think the idea of KD is so much like easier to accept him as the second best player in the mm-hmm. league just because he is that, you know, well, because he is seven foot and he is more versatile on defense yeah. and stuff like that. Whereas fucking Steph Curry is a, a chainsaw of fucking offense yeah. that can just run through. He's the best shooter. Of everyone all time. best shooter of all time. But like, it's not just his no, shooting. That it's dude his, gets to the basket. It, uh, getting to the basket. And his he's a great passer his his, uh, ability to innovate. He's an in, insatiable off the ball. Mm-hmm. Just because the ball's not in his hand doesn't mean he's not working. That mm-hmm. dude is sprinting to get open constantly. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, on offense, he's insane. I don't know if I would say he's better than KD on offense because of the physical advantages that KD has. Not only can KD shoot threes, not only can KD get to the mid-range and do the things that Steph does, mm-hmm. he also can just post you up and destroy you. Right. He and, can do it. And I agree. Like, he is more versatile and obvi- seems like and he's more dynamic. This is, this is semantics where we're talking about two elite players. Right. And, and like, nit, like yeah, picking hairs nitpick, between yeah. uh, the both of them. Exactly. Splitting hairs. Um, but yeah, dude, it, it, he is so fucking fun to watch. Definitely. Oh, it's, yeah. It is. It's, it's one of the reasons I don't understand how teams can hate the, people can hate the Warriors. Right. Because they're so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Even with KD on the team, KD didn't make them boring. Steph and Clay will still go nuclear. Let's not forget Clay. Clay can drop 37 on you in a quarter. True. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I, I think uh it's just it's really easy to hate the Warriors when cuz nobody was hating on the Warriors when it was just, you know, Splash Brothers, yeah. Warriors. And Draymond. Uh, I mean, people yeah, hated Draymond. Draymond, but they didn't hate the Warriors. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Nobody hated the Warriors, but like it's just when they won 72 games and then you add then on you KD. Add, it like feels the, like the unfairness of it. It feels like cheating. Yeah. But I say embrace it while you can because this might be the last year of it. Mm-hmm. KD might be gone next year. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he goes Knicks, Lakers, wherever. I think, I think next year is going to be like one of the craziest seasons of the fucking Yeah, NBA. I think you might be right. But I think after everything that happens with free agency, mm-hmm. um, who knows uh, who's going to join with LeBron uh, in L.A.? Fucking, uh, where is KD going to go? AD is not a free agent next year. Huh? AD is not a free agent until 2020. Okay. I was under the impression that Anthony Davis would have the opportunity to go to the Lakers next year. Apparently, it's not until 2020. Okay. Yeah. Just an interesting sidebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Not only, Steph, have you seen the Raptors at all? Yeah. Kawhi is back mm-hmm. and could make the statement for second best player in the NBA. Kawhi is amazing. In case you forgot for the one year he was doing what his uncle told him to do down in San Antonio and not playing. Like he, what LeBron and Ben Simmons have as far as like being able to see the future on offense and make the he, exact uh, perfect uh, mm-hmm. play. The, he has that on for defense. defense. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Did you see the, the last night he had this play where, he without someone, looking, someone tried to do a backdoor cut yeah, on him, and without and looking, he literally he just jumped in backwards and stole the ball. 
It was crazy. Yeah. It, yeah, he's, it, it, he's like a insane. savant defensively and an amazing offensive player. Uh, and not only do we have these guys, we Giannis and the Bucks have the now Mike Budenholzer coaching them. They are completely new look. They are dominant right now. They're destroying people. We watched Brooke Lopez go five of ten from three last night. Ay ay ay, Brooke Lopez, that's their center. This is crazy. Uh, Blake Griffin had that crazy fifty point game the other night. Uh, they're undefeated. The Pistons are undefeated. Mm-hmm. Pistons are undefeated, and the Sixers are two and two or two Something and three. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 struggling. They're trying to figure things the out. The Lakers are one and three. It's it's also it's so easy to to overreact. Yeah. To like just early. Well, on I mentioned the this There's to you the 82 other day. games in the season. So the, like We're I only told like four you four or five games in. Sort of the way I think about it, uh, because the sport I grew up watching is football. I think about. You know, how do you react to one game of football? You don't overreact, but one game of football means a pretty good amount to where a team's headed. Well, the equivalent to one game in football to a basketball team is five games, right. approximately. Right. So I don't even like to think of, like, the smallest sample size I want to think about is five games and what that means. Because I feel like every five games you can make a judgment on where a team is and where they're headed. Whereas one game in basketball doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Especially because you look at, teams like the Lakers and and my team, the Heat, just were losing one-point games. Right. So, you know, you're sure you're in the loss column, but as a team, you're you're in a good place. You, you also have to have the presence of mind to evaluate who they're losing to. Exactly. You know, the, the Lakers were playing all playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Like, But when they play games. the Suns, they annihilate the Suns. So yeah. it's like, Yo, okay. Right. We beat the, we beat the, the, the weird shit is like when you see the Thunder losing against the Kings, you're like, yeah. all right. I understand that they don't have Russ, but yeah. what's going well, on? Well, Russ here? came back and they still lost. They lost against the Kings with with. I don't Russ? know if that was the Kings game or not, but oh, okay. Russ's first game back, they right. lost. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where I feel like you have to give teams like a month to, even though this, like we said, this season has been a faster start than usual. I think you need to give teams about a month to sort of get in the groove and figure each other out because there's always new pieces yeah. being added and yeah. coaches figuring out rotations that work. Or if you're a Heat fan, you need to get people back from injury at the beginning of the year because we had like six dudes not playing. What is the world that I live in? Right. Why, Heat? Why are you always so injured? Drives me nuts. But yeah, uh, I just want to talk about how hype it's been. Yeah, so don't, don't worry, Brad Stevens. You're still better than You'll be than better the magic. than the Magic soon. you're still better than the Magic. Do you want to talk about the fight or is it too old news? Uh, we can talk about it a little bit. So... The series of events that happened was the the Los Angeles Lakers were playing the Houston Rockets. James Harden drove to the and this basket. This was the first Laker uh, home game. Home game of the season. LeBron's uh, debut LeBron. in L.A. Mm-hmm. Le, uh, James Harden, as he is wont to do, drove towards the basket, basket and uh, elaborated on some contact, as he always does. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram, who made the contact. It was a foul. He just, you know, James Harden sold it. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram did not take kindly to this and pushed James Harden from behind and then got up in the referee's face for calling a foul. This kind of started the teams all converging and getting each other's faces. And the then a scrum, if you will. No no physical altercation, just kind of, you know, in your face and talking trash. Then, if you listen to Chris Paul, Rajon Rondo spat on him. If you listen to Rajon Rondo him wearing a mouthpiece and trying to exacerbate exacerbate his emotions, spit just came out of his mouth. Which if you've ever worn a mouthpiece is a legitimate excuse. That 
can happen for sure. Mm-hmm. But s- somehow, or if you want to listen to conspiracy theorists, Carmelo Anthony did it. Uh, <laughs> somehow saliva ended up on Chris Paul's face. He then proceeded to poke and shove Rondo. He in the being face. Chris, Paul Chris Paul started shoving his finger and like pushed Rondo. in Rondo's face. Rondo proceeded to start punching Chris Paul, mm-hmm. literal punches, like a left hook. And that usually doesn't happen in the NBA. Usually there's, you know, they get in each other's face and they talk and then they get separated. These dudes threw down. Uh, I think there was a, a left hook landed by Rondo, an uppercut landed by Chris Paul. There mm-hmm. were some good shots. And out of nowhere, extendo and reach out arms. of nowhere, from the other side of the court, back comes Brandon Ingram, our initial... Our initial uh, fire starter, fire starter, if you yeah. will, and he threw a punch at the back of Chris Paul's head, and he wasn't even a part of the fray. What came of this was a five-game suspension for uh, for Brandon Ingram, four games for Rondo, three games for Chris Paul. The thing that I is think it is it five a, four three or is it four three two? Uh, it might be four three two. I think it's four three two. Yeah, or five three two, four three two. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> What I think is interesting is this idea, more than the fight. The fight was fun and, you know, it was crazy when it happened. But what I find interesting is the aftermath here of this sort of character sniping of Chris Paul and Rondo, kind of. Everyone's always known that, specifically, Rondo is an instigator. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone's also always known. There's clips of him in the game, like literally taking the ball while someone's uh, about to shoot the free throw, takes the ball and then rubs his sweat from Mm -hmm. his face onto the ball. Yeah. Like doing really weird shit like that. Weird stuff. Also, he has a huge smudge in his character profile, if you will, after he uh, basically outed a referee and called him uh, F, the the mean F word, if you will. I don't want to say that. Oh, wow. Yeah. On the court. And basically outed this referee as a homosexual. And this was like this huge thing. He got suspended for that, I believe, as well. So this is sort of a... Rondo seems like a worse dude than Chris Paul. Even though Chris Paul has his run-ins with the law, if you will. You know, he's been caught on camera hitting dudes in the junk as they drive past him. And sort of uh, what you might hear called a savvy veteran moves like that. You know what I mean? Um, But he also has a sort of reputation as being hard to work with being very demanding of the people around him. And you often hear it from the side of that Chris Paul is in the right and that he's trying to get lazy people to work harder. Uh It's kind of how it's spun a lot. We're now getting this word because Rondo came out and was basically like, you all think Chris Paul's this awesome dude because it's how the media portrays him. Uh He's the president of the State Players Association. And he has commercials Mm. and stuff. But Chris Paul is a bad dude. (laughs) He's a bad teammate. And he's had at least three ex-teammates of Chris Paul come out and agree with him, including Big Baby, which I don't take Big Baby's word as much as I might someone else because Big Baby was on that Celtics championship team with Rondo. Right. I feel like that's more chest pumping. Yeah. I've got your back, Rondo, than it is right. You know, realistic approach to things. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying Chris Paul's not a bad teammate. I don't know. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with Big Baby, if you will. That's what's more interesting to me than the fight, though, is this sort of try to take down Chris Paul thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're both both uh, pieces of crap. I don't know. Maybe they're well, and and I think just because you're a bad teammate or a little 
too competitive on the court <laughs> doesn't mean you're a bad person. True. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I, by all accounts, they're both actually very good men. Despite this one the, thing the, the Rondo, Rondo did, thing. The that, Rondo that thing. was you know that's he kind of obviously crossed yeah you're the a line. bad you're a bad person. I he obviously crossed the line. Passionate you are about basketball. That's yeah. fucked up. Um. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's weird trying to evaluate players' personalities when you there's like this celebrity thing where you feel like you get to know the players really well, but you really don't know them at all. In the NBA more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because it, it's so it's so player-driven, and you are able to see people's personality on the court so well. Yep. But um, in in the modern world of, of social media and playing Fortnite on Twitch and all this stuff, yes, we have the most access to athletes that we've ever had, but they also have the most control over their image that they've ever had. Just because they're on camera doesn't mean they're truly being themselves. Right. And that's true with any public figure. Right. You watch Tom Cruise interviews. He seems like the dopest dude ever, but he's also a wacko Scientologist. I'm not saying anything bad about Tom Cruise. He seems like a super nice guy, Mm -hmm. but that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got any more basketball? No, you got any, any more sports stuff? Uh -uh. Go Dolphins. We're playing tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm nervous. Fins up to My the fin sky. can pierce the sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually did have a. Uh, there's no like new, new movie news really to talk about, but I there's this one thing that triggered an idea in me. So there inside was an, of you, inside of me, there was an announcement that they that Disney is either doing or considering. Rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if you heard about this. No, I haven't. Okay. So that's it. That's there's no details. There's no no one really knows what it means. What I what it made me think of is because we talked about uh remakes recently when we were talking about the live action Disney stuff in a recent episode. Right. And we touched on it a little bit. But I, I think this idea of reboot and sequel culture is kind of an interesting thing to talk about. And should there be a sort of unwritten rule of time before you can reboot something? Mm -hmm. Because there was literally a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie two years ago. And it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. What is that? Dead Men Tell No Tales or whatever? I don't know what any of them are called. (laughs) Uh, It was the one without Orlando or where Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley were not main characters. It's about other people. And of course, Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay, I think a uh, that one was good. I actually enjoyed on Stranger. Oh, I remember on Stranger Tides, the one with the mermaid. I thought that one was pretty good too. I enjoyed that one. I haven't seen either of those two. The thing is, I think that those two are pretty good and enjoyable movies, but they come nowhere near close to Pirates One or Two. I would say, and then Pirates Three is obviously garbage. I've seen Pirates 3 one time. It's bad. One time. I don't think I'm going to revisit it. No. I might watch the newer ones. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, should there like be, obviously like that, that you you can't make a law with dating some like artificial, but like unwritten rule. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, an unwritten rule. Like, I mean the one that I I would say like maybe a decade, a decade, you think? Because so that's thing what that I, I would of, want it to be, yeah. you know, like it, when, that, I feel like it's an appropriate. It's of time weird because say what you will about Johnny Depp as a person or as an actor or as a wackadoodle. The role of Jack Sparrow 
in the first Pirates is iconic. It, it, Oscar nominated. Oscar nominated for yeah. Jack Sparrow. It's iconic. Yeah. And yes, has he phoned it in a little bit more and more as every movie has gone on? Maybe. Yeah, he has. That's It's been more of a collecting a paycheck than anything else. But that doesn't take away from what Jack Sparrow is. And if you're going to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean while Johnny Depp is just around, how are you going to have someone else do that? Mm-hmm. It seems weird to me. Or do you do that? Do you do a different pirate ship? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, is the problem. Mm-hmm. You just say, we're rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean with no details, and I don't know what to think of it. Yeah, like, are they going to do Jack Sparrow with another actor? Yeah. Or is it going to be within the same world, but they're going to do it like a, a completely different focus? Yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea, dude. Like, it should... If... It depends on how you approach it, obviously. Like, I don't think that if you're going to touch the character of Jack Sparrow, that you should d- do that within 10 years. I, would, I mean, pretty reasonable. for Maybe that specific longer. character, fuck that. Yeah, like, give it like 15 years. Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, I can't imagine anyone else doing it. Yeah. And I feel like you need to let things pass to when the next generation can put their... I have nothing wrong with rebooting. I don't have any problem. This is the other half of the conversation is reboots in in general and the over-sequelizing of things that don't necessarily need sequels. Uh, Just because a movie makes money doesn't mean you have to make a sequel. For example, A Quiet Place. I loved A Quiet Place. Mm -hmm. They are making A Quiet Place sequel. That movie does not need a sequel. There's no need for it. That movie exists perfectly the way it is how it is where it is mm-hmm. what is a sequel i don't want to watch it a continuation of because that if you've seen that movie there's it doesn't seem there's anywhere else for that family to go now if you want to spin you say they're going to follow another family it's like fine but i'm not that interested in it you know mm-hmm. what i mean True. I, I I think about that a lot with Ex Machina. Okay. Because there's a, the way that Ex. I'm not gonna spoil Ex yeah. Machina, but the way that it ends, it makes you wonder. Like mm-hmm. I I think about what happens after that movie so often. But I think that's we were talking about pacing earlier, being mm-hmm. kind of lost. I think that's lost in in movies now. That thing where you you leave stuff open ended, mm-hmm. and you create like the, there's a, a narrative that can happen even after the movie ends. Yeah, that, that but you don't have you to have tell the control. It. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where sometimes not knowing is better than not liking what they come up with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think Blade Runner. I haven't seen the new Blade Runner, but I think Blade Runner ends in a similar way where it's just kind of open ended in terms of Deckard, right? Depends on yes what no, version. Well, I guess it depends, depends on, on what version, version you watch. It depends yeah. on what uh, I've version you're watching. I've only seen the theatrical. No. I've seen the director's cut. It's the only one I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I recently watched like all of the Blade Runner movies and like did, but it, even if you're, if it's like fresh on the brain, it's still confusing as to like yeah. what version is what and what it means to the character of Deckard. Yeah. Uh, I watched the one that does not have the bad monologue at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I tracked down. Did I watch the final cut? The final cut is the one that people recommend. I think because there's there's a director's cut, a final cut, the, the theatrical release. 
whatever. But it's, it's uh, dense. <laughs> but but there is yeah there is like uh, there's a habit of wanting to tie things up in a bow uh, for whatever narrative it is, mm-hmm. just because it's easier to sell. Um, yeah, and it's it's something that you're going to constantly have to play with when whatever form of art you are. And mm-hmm. especially one that is so controlled by the market like movies. Yeah. Um, cause you're constantly evaluating, Oh, well we can't have this character because you know, people are not going to relate to it. Um, it's too edgy, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, you know, we're going to make this movie PG 13 instead of rated R so that it can hit multiple quadrants and you're mm-hmm. constantly evaluating it marketing wise, as well as creatively. Mm hmm. Um, and they both kind of have to exist to, it, uh, with each other in harmony in order for it to be a successful movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a bummer. Yeah. Like I, I, and I, and I do go back and forth, uh, with it, with, uh, the, the, cause the artist in me is like, well, like the Make fuck that venom want. needs to be rated R, you yeah. know, like the, the, fuck this quadrant bullshit. Fuck the, the approaching a, de- a specific demographic. I don't care if it only hits one person. If that yep. one person loves that movie, that's what then matters. Th- that's what matters. Exactly. Um, and you know, that everything about a movie should be controlled by the, like uh, a soul artist. You have to have this auteur that's writing and directing and, or, or, or whatever they want to be doing with the film. Mm-hmm. Um, then the realist side of you kicks in and you go, but if that's how it worked, no movies would ever get made. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you couldn't fund them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. Um, I just had a train of thought and I forgot it, but it it was good. So I want to find it again. Mm. Uh, you want me to hum something while you think? No. I feel like no. I played that song growing up on sax. Yeah? Yeah. What is that? Is that the entertainer or something? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the entertainer? Is that the name of the song? Yeah. We might be completely wrong. I don't know. I know I played it. Yeah, it's The Entertainer yeah. by Cedric. <laughs> That's such a bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> that was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about sequels and reboots, and we went on a Blade Runner tangent. All right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You think of... Word, go to the bathroom. We're back. We're back. We're back, and I cannot remember my train of thought. Yep. It's fine. Yeah. Screw it. We have lots of thoughts on this on show. To There'll the be more. Next one. On, on to the next one. There was. It's kind of heavy, but I think it's a kind of an important conversation. Okay. Uh, Triple X Dentation, the rapper, who okay. was killed. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. He was killed this past maybe two months ago, something like that, in a drive by shooting. Before that, he was a hot topic on the internet, if you will, because of uh, sexual and physical abuse to his girlfriend. Right. Something that I think there was a trial going on for, right? I'm pretty sure. So they were trying to figure out, you know, if he did it, how severe it was, all this kind of stuff. The pictures are horrifying. Of what, of he, of what he did to her. To she her. is brutalized. And it just came out that 
there was this secret recording of him doing some kind of conversation or interview or something. And in it, he, he admits to stabbing eight different people mm-hmm. and basically confirms the, the abusive stuff with his girlfriend. And I think, you know, those, those, these are terrible, horrible things that he's done. But I think the conversation that's kind of, it pulls out is this, um, the idea of uh, should we speak ill of the dead? Yeah, is uh, is something that um, and the and the idolization of objectively bad people after they die. Mm-hmm. Why why can you why can you honor someone's death because they died? You know what? Does that make sense? Right. Because you when when he when he was killed because he was killed, which is. Awful. It's awful. I mean, no matter who you are, it's it's all awful. He was killed, and all of these, you know, rappers came out talking about how much love they had for him and how you inspired me and this kind of stuff. And like, some big name people said some different degrees of things about. Like, Kanye said something about him, but we all know what we don't know what's going on. But Kanye is in another world right now. But like, Jake Cole came out and his message I think was the most level headed. He basically said, this is a tragedy mm-hmm. that someone who needed help couldn't get it. And and that is absolutely that what you can tell from uh, the recording yeah. that came out. You know, he was talking about how he was like proactively trying to break this girl down. And that he, was, he was with, and he talked about how and full of anger how, he always like, he was, was saying like, I, I, and you can pick that up through his music too. Mm-hmm. Like he, like he's, like uh, referencing like suicide yeah. and like you could, you know that he's no. very, he's a, he's a tortured soul. Yeah. There's a lot of but layers how to pull much back should on you, this. A, yeah. How much should you victimize someone who does horrible things? Who does horrible things. Yes. You're experiencing hard things. A lot of people experience hard things though. Right. And they don't do the things that he did. And I also, I, my idea of, who X was sort of changed because I knew I had heard about like all these bad things that he had mm-hmm. done before I even got to his music. And Same I also me. assumed that his music was mumble rap culture. I made the same I assumption. I've, I will, I've never listened to his music before. You've never listened to nope. it. I, the first thing I ever heard about him was about this thing with his girlfriend. And I just didn't, I didn't want to listen to his music. His music is, I would say it's inconsistent, but there is a lot to it. Yeah, because you can. I've heard that he has some really great songs. Because you you can you can pick up that he's going through some type of emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's like it, it, it is the greatest music of all time. You know, it's, now, it's, one it's of just the, it's okay. And another layer. And there's of his, specific songs. Yeah, like there's a a song. I Fuck, I forgot what it was called. But he's a, he has a song with Joey Badass that I think you, you would really like. Yeah, I love um, Joey Badass. Fucking Joey Badass's verse is fucking really cool. The the beat is really good. Um, his verse is, it's it's all right. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and he did it, his music impressed me um, more. Like literally, I was in the car, and uh, my girlfriend Kate played me a song and I was like, Oh, I kind of like this song. Who is this? And she already knew that I didn't yeah. like triple extantation because of what we knew about him. And 
she was like, this is triple X. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, Oh shit. Like I, I just got caught up there, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, 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 I like this song. I know that he's done horrible things, but I also know what it's like to go through shit, mm-hmm. but I've also never abused anyone yeah. because of it. And you haven't stabbed eight people. I, I haven't stabbed anyone. I, yeah. Uh, and there are so many people out there that like when this audio was released, people are like, like, uh, uh, you know, leave him alone. He's dead. He's, He's dead. gone now. Yeah. Really? That seems, I, it seems irresponsible, right? Exactly. So there's, there's kind of another layer that we have to peel back here. Triple X has a fanatic fan base to the on on the internet to the point where the the obviously I I can only assume that this is a a small amount in terms of you know a, a a minority of people but there are there is a group of people on the internet who love Triple X's music and defend him to no end no matter what is uh, accusations are brought against him and then even when they find out he did do things they they don't care and that scares me mm-hmm. and these people will go for example, if they heard this pod, us talking about him, they would come and attack us right. on the internet. Right. They would come and they would tell us to kill ourselves and they would tell us that we're not worth anything and that he's more than we could ever be. And, I mean, you know, you can say and do whatever you want, but that is, that's scary to me. Right. That there are people that will just so blindly follow you mm-hmm. because they feel connected to where you're coming from i can only assume well yeah if if your own emotional journey if your own uh things that you're going through so closely mimic the artists that you're sort of idealizing Mm -hmm. like i mean and especially if they die you know that that goes into the don't speak of ill of the dead Mm -hmm. idea that people are are trying to champion when it comes to this topic um it, it it's a tough topic and it's but yeah, it does seem irresponsible to not address it, to not have the truth be revealed. Yeah, and it's how can you learn if you don't look back? Right. How in terms of just human history, if we didn't look back and learn from the generations before us who've passed away, mm-hmm. how would we ever grow? Mm-hmm. And if we can't look back at someone who was a, an artist and someone who spoke their truth, but on the other side of that had these flaws, these huge flaws as a, as a person. And we can't learn from that. Why would you prevent that? Mm-hmm. Is what I don't understand. Well, it's, it's, well, and it's a hard, it's such a hard subject to deal with because it's so complex and so nuanced mm-hmm. because he was a horrible person fucking came out with some good music. Like there's specific songs from him that I will continue listening to. Um, and then after he dies, like more information comes out that reveals even how troubled he was yeah. and how how awful he was to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it's something that you literally have to approach with nuance. Yeah. And that is a hard thing for people to deal with, mm-hmm. uh, especially in in the in the modern world where modern world you and, are a click away from any opinion being anywhere 
true and and just like absolutism is yeah. just so easy uh yeah. the people's uh, there's like an addiction to decisiveness something is good or bad uh, uh true something is good or bad but uh, as well as like decisiveness you don't want to um people like like being a fence sitter is considered a negative thing you know like like being yeah. like oh well like i kind of have to dwell on this for a bit yeah. in order to really formulate opinions on it. Which if is, you, it seems horrible. Like that, that's a, a mentality of society. Th th why does that have a negative yeah, connotation? Like as if you're going to uh, evolve as a society, uh, as people, then you need to have conflicting ideas. That's what thinking is, yeah, for sure. is you're creating multiple roles within your mind and they're battling it out to mm -hmm. see which one is the uh, prevailing mentality. Um, and if you're constantly getting caught in an echo chamber, even within your own mind and saying, well, I have to accept this thing because that's uh, because that is my political belief. That is yeah. what group I'm associated with. Uh, my religious you know, that's my ideas. That, that, exactly. Like that. yeah. if, if you're not able to include uh, those types of um, potentially flawed mentalities, mm. um, then how are you going to grow as well, a person? I, I think one of the most important uh, things anyone can sort of work on doing is being able to objectively look at your own ideals and try to look at any situation from the opposite perspective. Right. And I think that's one of the best ways that you can grow. And I think it's one of the best ways you can be empathetic to other people. But uh, yeah, very true. Um, like it, it helps you connect with people, but it also, it, if you're getting caught up there, there, there's a quote that uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's it goes along the lines of uh, evaluating different political beliefs or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it's 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 uh, it goes along the lines of it's not how it's not what you think, but it's how you think. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you can think different things, and you could have different. You could have one person that's a Republican, one one person that is uh, a Democrat. You know, you could have a, a blue and a red, and they're both thinking completely different things, mm -hmm. but how they're evaluating their own thoughts. Is exactly the same. Yeah, um, they're rationalizing their own ideas. Exactly. Like, uh, if you're not able to address the nuance within your own mind, mm -hmm. then you're not going to be able to connect with the person that's across the aisle. Yeah. Um, but I think bringing this back to specifically the, the uh, I th uh, I think you phrased it as the speaking ill of the dead. Mm -hmm. It I I think I said it. It, it seems irresponsible to not learn from someone like for example what if bill cosby died before we found out he was a rapist now everyone's cool with just talking shit about bill cosby because mm -hmm. he's alive i mean he's old and he's gonna probably die soon in prison but he's around to take it right, Is right. that that has to be the 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 blockade that people uh -huh. he's not here to, de to defend himself so why can you say that about him well because he did it mm -hmm. you know what i mean because so that is the ultimate what's truth. the difference between bill cosby being found out now instead of being found out later what's the difference between if we had found out sooner about triple x mm -hmm. than when we did find out i don't see a difference myself I mean, I'm not going to walk around and like walk up to random people and talk ill of anyone. But if someone's going to bring up, I, I mean, I don't think I'll ever listen to a triple X song. I just don't think I'll do it. Uh, it, it do you think, is it like, uh, 
like you don't want to because of who, who he, he is. was. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, and it's then that's a, a tough thing that I'm conflicted. I don't about listen to Chris because, Brown's music. Mm-hmm. I don't like Chris Brown's music to begin with, but I don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, we, I mean, we've, I feel like we brought that up on a, uh, previous episodes the idea of separating the art from the, the artist. art from the artist yeah. and, and where I, do you I, draw where, the line yeah where do you draw the line i and it's so conflicting yeah. because you know just because you're a bad person you can create something that is incredible like yeah. fucking bill cosby inspired a lot, a lot of, of like dave, when dave Chappelle talks about bill cosby he was like i was a fucking young black comedian mm-hmm. of course he inspired me yeah um and evaluating the positive things that potentially come out of really awful people is a sensitive subject. It's tough. It's tough to evaluate. Are there people that listen to triple X's music where he explores his own, uh, where he's coming from in terms of his pain and does it help them deal with their pain to where they're not doing the things that he did? I don't know, but that's a light. Mm-hmm. If it if it happens, yeah, it is his own uh, journey, like some type of cathartic uh, experience for the people that are listening to his music, mm-hmm. and that that keeps them out of the shadows it, a little. It's, and bit. it's kind is of even helping? weird to do that because that it gives him this like martyrdom, right? Where he he did the bad things so other people don't have to. That in and of itself is its own complicated issue. Yeah, because that is also it shouldn't have to be that way but that like speak ill of the dead combined with artistry is kind of how um uh posthumous is it posthumous 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 posthumous, yeah uh posthumous celebrity Mm -hmm. is like so amplified yeah right uh the robin williams Robin Williams, I think, became more beloved than ever after he I find passed it interesting away. that you brought up Robin Williams. I was about to bring up a Robin Williams movie specifically oh, wow. okay. called uh, World's Greatest Dad. Okay. Um, it's It was directed and written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, who okay. is a stand-up comedian, really good filmmaker, but he made a movie called World's Greatest Dad about Robin Williams. Uh, he plays this character. He's the main character. And he has this son. Robin Williams' character's son is an awful human being. Uh, he's like a sophomore, junior in high school, literally doesn't listen to music because it's lame. Uh, he, like, doesn't get along with anyone. Um, and there's like this funny scene where like Robin Williams walks in on the kid like jerking off at his laptop, but he's like choking himself while he does it. Oh God. Like, like autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. But later on in the movie, he walks into his room and he's doing the same thing, but then he realizes that his son died while fucking jerking off and choking himself. Oh my God. So what Robin Williams tries to do, or what he does is he is so embarrassed that he takes his son and hangs him up in the closet. And he writes his son's suicide letter. Oh, and he's a writer, right? Robin Williams' character is a writer. Yes. Yeah. His uh, Robin Williams' character is like a failed writer, tries to write novels, and they don't get uh, published and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he writes this kid's suicide note, and it ends up getting out. And everyone in the high school was like, oh, my God, he was so troubled. He was like, oh, he was my best friend. Oh, my God. Another uh, direct example to this specific thing, uh, the Broadway play Dear Evan Hansen, 
which I think was out last year. One, Dear one, Evan Dear Evan Hansen. It won Tony Awards, I think, last year. Um, the 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 sort of plot of that play is there's a sort of loner kid who passes away, and the main character of the play has a crush on his sister, and he kind of falls backwards into claiming he was friends with this kid, and made up these fake emails, making it seem like they corresponded via email, and this kid becomes beloved posthumously even though no one cared about him in life and the kid he uh i haven't i've only listened to the the play the the music from the show so i haven't seen the show i don't know the context of everything the 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 main character doesn't do this he doesn't do this uh selfishly he kind of falls into doing it accidentally almost and then they end up making this like this whole like uh, they end up making like a charity to raise money. It's like, it's this weird, it's weird, but it's that same thing where after mm-hmm. someone passes away, they become lifted up as a better person than they were mm-hmm. or yeah, a more exactly. beloved person than they exactly. were, not necessarily better and than they were. I, I've had, I mean, this is an awful thought, but I've thought it for a while. Like the greatest thing that you could do as a musician is die young. Like the come out with- six club or whatever it's called it, like, like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Because people like people will always think of your, your art is mm-hmm. as something that's classic and it's like super tragic. And it's something that's like, it's super irresponsible to think because you're, it's sort of disrespecting the legacies yeah. of actual you, very great artists. And you never reach the point that we talked about another time where your art changes. So people start saying, I liked his older stuff. Mm-hmm. You never reach that point. Exactly. There's only your older stuff. Right. That's if, really sad. If Kanye died, uh, right after uh, my, my beautiful, beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out, yeah, right then, or even right after graduation, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. the, the, the people were like, Oh man, uh, yeah, Kanye West would be so well respected today, like, there would have been no downfall, like, yeah. it's, it's kind of insane. Um, hey man, every heroic story needs peaks and valleys. We're just in a valley, we're just in a valley, it's a deep, deep, very valley. deep <laughs> valley. Oh, geez. Hope you can climb like out. Mariana's Trench <sighs> Valley, dog. It's not good. Not good. Uh, did we uh, did we handle that? You think? Yeah, I think we handled that. Yeah, I think we were respectful and thoughtful. I think. <laughs> I don't want to end on that. It's like sad. Sometimes life is sad. That's true. Sometimes life is Sometimes sad. Sometimes life is sad. Peaks and valleys. And you have your peaks and valleys too. You're going to keep going? You gonna, you nope. Got a, you got a whole song? I really don't want to. All right. You should stop then. Um, I, I don't have anything else if you don't. Nah, dog. I'm ready to get out of here. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm actually hungry. Oh. I'd like to go get some food. <laughs> um, the Magic play at four, dog. Like it's Portland. Ooh. I don't care if the Dolphins play tonight. Okay, cool. Wins up, Dolphins. Uh, yeah, if you uh, ch- if you want to check us out, hit us up on YouTube, podcasting platforms, Chris and Kyle Show, Facebook and Instagram, the Chris and Kyle Show, Twitter, TCAX Pod. We will be having the spoiler episode for Child's Play coming out on Wednesday this week, not Thursday like usual. We're going to release it on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday, look forward to Child's Play. If you don't know what Child's Play is, like me, it's the Chucky movie. The doll, the original Chucky movie. Chris is like, let's do Child's Play. I was like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Now I do. Um, 
We'll put a new poll up on the first for next month's spoiler episode choice. Mm-hmm. And that will be available through Twitter as yep. well as YouTube this We're time. We're going to do two options. So we can do it on Facebook too. We won't right. do as many options because right. Facebook doesn't let you do it for whatever reason. Fucking Facebook. Yeah. Got a shout out? Oh, I didn't even think about shout outs. Oh, I shit. do have one. I just forgot. I was, I was about to say. I started doing the whole outro. Damn. Okay. I do have a shout out. I prepared for this. I just forgot about it. Uh, we've brought up Max Landis a few times on the show. Uh, he's a screenwriter mostly, but he's also written some comics. And my shout out is for the collected American Alien comic, which is Max Landis's Superman comic book. It is, I want to say seven, seven vignettes, if you will. They're all sort of one shot stories through different times in Clark Kent's life. And the thing I love about the way Max approaches Superman, he approached Superman in a similar way I would approach Superman. And that is from the ground level. Yeah. Building out from the humanity out. And his Superman is very specifically not as powerful as most ideas of Superman. Um, And I think just more humanized in a, a just better character. Clark sings, if you will. Clark is more important than Superman. And uh, it's just fun. Uh, like I said, it's like seven different stories. You also get inklings of the hints of what would be his greater world if he wrote more comics, which I know there was talk about him writing Agent of Batman, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, you know, you get like an episode, you get a, uh, an issue with Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor and Oliver Queen. And obviously you meet Lois down the line. You You get a lot of different... Uh, looks into where his world might be, and I I really like the the way that he handles the character and the uh, the, the sort of world that he steeps in his his own version of the DC universe. So my shout out is Max Landis's Superman American Alien. Dope. All right, so I got a weird one. Okay, got a weird one, and when I bring this up, I don't want you to say anything. You want to zip my lid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, for the most part. For how long? Huh? How long can I not talk for? But, oh, I mean, it's not about you not talking. I just like there's certain bits of information. I feel like once I reveal it, you're gonna be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. My shout out for this week is a little electronic electronic music duo that goes by the name of Pneumatic Pleasure. Pneumatic Pleasure. So that's N U M A T I C space space P L E A Z. U R E pneumatic pleasure, or as they're I say, pleasure, pleasure. Uh, but they're an electronic music duo that makes eight bit music. Yeah, and uh, they don't have a lot of music out there, but the stuff that they do have out right now uh, is basically a story about a mission to space, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's dope. So what it, what eight bit music is is literally like video game music. Like when you hear Mario, like Mario, uh, Super Nintendo music. Okay, so that is it's what, more musical than that. Though. It's more more well composed. There, yeah, there's yeah. more layers to it. There's than more the layers theme. than just that. Yeah. Um, and it tells like a really cool story. And it's like the the vibe that you get from it is a very specific thing. It is very visual. Mm-hmm. Um, you can. It's almost as if you were watching a movie while you're listening to this music. 
where can they find said music? Uh, they can find this music on SoundCloud. We'll, we'll provide that link in YouTube. Um, in the doobly-doo. Uh, or if you uh, look up uh, Pneumatic Pleasure on SoundCloud, you'll be able to find them. Um, yeah, but that's my little, little spiel. Shout out Pneumatic Pleasure. Pneumatic Pleasure. Hell yeah. We are not Pneumatic Pleasure, by the way. We are not. That's not. We are we're not. Trying. That's not pleasure. like I know that was really clandestine, but yeah. we're not trying to hide that we're an electronic <laughs> music duo. There's gonna be all these weird fan theories from our six fans. That's cool. I kind of like. I want to have some. Yeah, I want to have some juicy fan. Yeah, theories. some headcanon about <laughs> our lives and about who pneumatic pleasure yeah. is. We will reveal that we know pneumatic pleasure, but we will not reveal who they are. True. Um. Now I'll do the actual outro. Now that we've done our shout outs. So shout out pneumatic pleasure. Shout out uh, American Alien. Like I said before, hit us up on YouTube, hit us up on all podcasting platforms, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Facebook, The Chris and Kyle Show, TCAX Pod on Twitter. We're going to have polls up November 1st. We're going to have Child's Play spoiler episode on Wednesday. Happy Halloween. We are going to have other stuff. We're close to figuring out timing for our first guest episode. Uh, so yeah, expect some guest episodes, uh, expect some, some cool people with some interesting perspectives to come onto the podcast. Um, if you or anyone that you know, uh, feel like you, uh, have a message that needs to be heard. If you're a creative type, if you're a scientist, if you're a garbage truck driver that has a really cool story, then, uh, please hit us up. Um, yeah, uh, we're just looking forward to having really cool people on the podcast uh, besides ourselves because we are yeah. not interesting. We are, yeah, we're not interesting. He's Chris uh, Chris Michael Stott. Hit him up chrismichaelstott.com. Hit him up on Instagram at chrismichaelstott. I'm Kyle. Hit me up at davinwell25 on Twitter and Instagram. We out. We out. Stay weird. Peace.